Well, we can tell yeah. you, you can talk to your plants yeah. and say whatever opinion you want, and they won't give you any guff back. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. I believe in that. I believe in talking to them. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, if I you've got it. something offensive you want to say about somebody, we'll keep it a secret. You know, we'll yeah. you just go ahead. <laughs> My name is Erica Hinkle. And my name is Joshua Griffin. Thank you for listening to Behind the Scenes, where we go behind the scenes with our Tidewater area businesses, philanthropy, and community involvement. I'm owner of Erica Hinkle Events, LLC, a full-service wedding and event company specializing in floral design and decor. And I own Griffin Air, serving the Middle Peninsula and Northern Neck for all your heating, cooling, and plumbing needs. Let's go behind the scenes right now. Welcome to Behind the Scenes in Tidewater, where we go behind the scenes with our local businesses, philanthropy, philanthropy, and community involvement. Um, today, we got a really cool, uh, uh, well, I should say, we have cool guests, uh, Erica. Um, yeah, I'm hu- super excited. Yeah, husband and wife team kicking butt. And um, yeah, so today's guests are Aaron and Justine McFarland, and they are co-owners of Trupolo Farm and Garden in Urbana, Virginia. And guys, if you would, just start off and tell us about you and how you got to do what you do. Yeah, so uh, Aaron here. Um, well, uh Basically, it started off a long time ago. I grew up in the horticultural world. Um, so I've been working in the industry for about 10 years professionally. Um, an ISA certified arborist. I have two associate degrees in horticulture. So kind of kind of in the in the family, in the blood, so to speak. And so I just stuck with it and you know, really enjoy working outside and work with plants. Very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm Justine, and uh, I've got six years professional um, time in the industry, and uh, I actually have two art degrees. I went to art school, but um, I realized that desk jobs are not for me, and I really want to be outside. So I apply like my art education to what I do with the flowers, but really farming is, is where it's at, and I, I just love it. Yeah, that's, I'm super excited to really dive into this because I would love to learn about everything that you guys grow. But before we get too far in, how can uh, people reach you? Where can they find you? Maybe your social media accounts. Why don't you give our listeners that information? Okay, yeah. So email is best and we're hello tupelo. That's T-U-P-E-L-O at gmail.com. But we are very active on Facebook and Instagram and we post a lot of behind the scenes information and sort of things that are coming along in the fields and the handle for both of those is Tupelo Farm and Garden. Um, Awesome. Awesome. I'm definitely going to follow you guys on Instagram. Sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, cool. Uh, So I know you guys kind of uh, touched on uh, how you got started doing what you're, what you do. Uh, If you could just, Erica just kind of mentioned it, just tell us what, what all you guys do and what you offer and maybe some of the, the things that you guys grow. Yeah. So one of the, the facets of, of what we do here is um, we do landscaping, uh, 
design and install services. So we, the background in obviously in horticulture and spending a lot of time working at garden centers, uh, I got to see a lot of really cool plants and you get lots of ideas of how to use them. So now we're able to apply that, um, you know, meet up with customers at their homes, talk to them about what they, what they really envision for their gardens, what they want to see happen. And then we go back and we take a look at all that stuff and, uh, you know, figure out a design that works for, for them that they're, you know, they're going to see it every day for the rest of their lives that they're there. We're going to see it after we get done installing it maybe once or twice again, but that's it. So we want to make sure they're getting a, a design. They're going to be able to go outside, enjoy with family and friends and, and just be out in it and enjoy it for, for years to come. Yeah. We're definitely not run of the mill people. We try to find really unique things and same with what we grow here on the farm. We've got seven acres and we've got space and time. So we're really specializing in the slower growing, more woody cuts like hydrangeas and different foliage plants. Um, but we still do plant up, you know, the, the good selling happy annuals like snapdragons and zinnias um, because they're just so cheery and they just keep giving um, and they add a lot of color from, from our viewpoint from route 17. Um, love that. But yeah, we, we like the weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. Um, it's so interesting. I, my mom has a horticultural background as well. And so, um, and I'm in the floral industry as far as in the, wedding side I do uh, flower arrangements and all that fun stuff um, so it's just interesting to me the interesting to me that you guys are mainly growers for the residential landscape because lots of stuff that you I mean when you go to Lowe's and Home Depot you know they have you know the pink azalea and they have all the generic stuff but it is hard to find really high quality different kinds of plants in our area so to, to grow in your own garden so I think that's so awesome so you guys mainly do, well, zinnias are annuals, but you guys do a lot of perennials, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're definitely developing our perennial section. So when we bought this seven acres, it was basically a, a blank canvas. It was a soybean field. Um, mm -hmm. So we're working on cultivating the soil and figuring out where the low spots are and where drainage is a problem. Um, and perennials and the woodies really help with that, too. So we're establishing those perennial beds, but um, we've got some really sweet stuff planted that will be in production within the next couple of years. Wow, that's great. Now, do you guys um, host clients on your site? Like, could people come and, and kind of tour your garden area? Or is it mainly you guys go to your clients' houses? Well, we, we usually, at this point, we're, we're going to their homes, obviously, to, to get there and take a look at their landscapes, take measurements, take pictures, and, and speak with them about it in person. But um, you know, as Justine said, it was a blank canvas and we're, we're trying to turn seven acres of flat open ground into. Yeah, that's rather a lot expensive. of space. <laughs> <laughs> into kind of expansive gardens that are display gardens, kind of idea gardens. So, you know, if a customer maybe isn't quite getting the idea of, a, of what we're talking about for a mature sized plant or something, we can be like, hey, you know, stop over, come look at this, like in the landscape, see what it looks like and, you know, plant it in five years down the road. So we're working on turning our or property into like a, a large display garden, not just for, for clients, but maybe even just for people to come and, and take a nice stroll around and just take a look at the, the plants. That's, yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I have to ask, so you, since you do go to folks' homes, what are your geographic boundaries? Like, what, is there, is there a limit to how far you'll go to, to take care of something? 
Uh, I mean, nobody's asked us to go like three hours away yet. And that, you know, that might be a little far, but, uh, you know, right now we work just around Urbana uh, and kind of Saluda area, but I'm Deltaville. a little, yeah, down in Deltaville too. But we, you know, we'd be willing to, I mean, an hour drive isn't out of the question to, to get to a client's house and take a look at stuff. So I'd say probably within an hour, you know, hour and a half max, it, that'd be something that we'd be willing to, to head out to and, and take a look at. Very cool. And what would you say, you know, and I don't know, I'm ignorant to all this stuff. So maybe it's not as uncommon as I think, but you know, what, what's unique about maybe what you guys do or, or offer maybe compared to someone else that offers something similar? So um, one of the things that we really like to do is, is make it more of a collaboration between us and the customer. Um, we, we want a back and forth conversation. We want to get to know what they're going to use the space for instead of just, you know, finding out what colors they like and, and don't like. We really want, you know, textures like we just recently worked for a client who was we have a lot of outdoor pets and we have a lot of small children. So we need things that are safe. Um, so that was another facet of of working with this client. And, cool. you know, same thing with the flowers. It's like we want to know the story. We want to be able to create something that's personal and not run of the mill. Yeah. So you plant. Yeah, that's so important, especially with a gardener. (laughs) Totally. Me me and my bad jokes. I don't know if y'all even heard that. Uh, No, I didn't. I'm sorry. I cut you (laughs) off. (laughs) I I just said the, the folks that were wanting something safe for their kids and pets uh, they y'all must have went out and uh, planted a bunch of holly bushes for them. Yeah, <laughs> totally. You know, you got to fence them in somehow. So you just you use those prickly plants, plants to keep them in. That's right. That's right. We have so many hollies in my neighborhood. Oh, they're horrible. <laughs> they're pretty aggressive. Yeah. It's just like every time I rake, and then you know, you put your hands down to grab. I'm like, oh gosh, ow. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's not like we try to avoid those plants, but it's just one of those things. There's certain places for them, but, you know, we want people to interact with their landscapes. And usually you don't want to interact with holly bushes. Uh, So, you know, yeah, you're not going to be hugging your holly bush uh, any time of the year. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. There's a couple things that you learn like, oh, that does have thorns, even though it doesn't look like it, or it does prick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think the other thing that we like to do that, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily unique, but we prioritize Virginia growers. So a lot of our suppliers, you know, are pretty close by, and we, we really put them at the top of our list for sourcing material um, if we don't have it here on the farm. Mm. Yeah, that's good. So you do have really good working relationships with other uh, suppliers and growers in the area. That's awesome. Yes. Great. I think we need. Do you guys do like vegetable gardens too? If a if a client was interested in you helping with that, I know lots of people have started vegetable gardens this year, especially. Yeah. Um. It's not. It's definitely not our specialty, but we do have a big personal veggie garden, and we're all about the the vegetables. Um. And we've actually, this year, I've started a few trays for sale that I'm calling them garden in a tray. And so it's plants that are good for container gardeners or first time gardeners that will produce all year long um, with good success. 
So those are coming in the next few weeks. And of course, if you follow us on Instagram, you'll get the details on that. But definitely oh, if somebody awesome. wants, yeah, if somebody needs advice for their veggie garden, we're happy to help. I mean, we just want people to be outside. That's that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you guys might be able to uh, answer this question because I've actually been looking for it and I can't find it anywhere. Do you guys sell liquid nitrogen? <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I'm actually a pretty avid grower myself, but um, just on a very smaller scale. <laughs> no, we, uh, no, we don't sell liquid nitrogen. <laughs> I know, I can't find it anywhere. I'm sure I could order it online, but I've just been leery about doing that lately. But uh, yeah, my, one of my plants is not doing that well. And somebody had said, oh, it might need some liquid nitrogen. You could try that. Like, okay, I don't even know where to get that. <laughs> yeah, it, they probably suggested that because a lot of times when a fertilizer is in a, a liquid form, it's generally, you know, like right now it hasn't rained in, I don't know, probably a week and a half or so. Yeah, so right. it's kind of dry. They're definitely looking to get some water. So you add that that fertilizer in there that's that's in a liquid, plant's going to take that up way quicker than if you just put down a, you know, like a pelletized fertilizer right. or spread it on top of the ground. Because uh, that that fertilizer on the ground in a dry form needs rain or watering to get those nutrients into the soil. So that that uh, fertilizer in the water is kind of like a almost like a direct injection for the plant to take up those nutrients a little quicker and get acting faster in the plant. Well, thank you. Good. I, that's very good to know. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Josh learned something. <laughs> yeah, I, I liquid nitrogen was just stuff you pour on things and make it freeze, and then you can throw it against the wall and it shatter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, uh, I mean, Justine makes fun of me because my my bedtime reading is usually plants or books on like how plants function. So we're talking like college textbooks. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it happens. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it does help me go to sleep, but I also get to learn something at the same time. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so interesting. I've been having some um, really in-depth conversations with some people that are trying to grow this year. And like this year for us around here, it's so, this is the coldest it's ever been. Like, I, and so some people have lost things and I'm like, don't get discouraged because this generally doesn't happen very often. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys experienced any loss um, with the freeze that happened earlier this week, or maybe it was last week. But uh, I know some friends of mine were like, oh my gosh, why is it so cold now? <laughs> yeah, that definitely threw us for a loop for sure, because we had, well, it was so warm in March, so we got a jump start on everything. And so we had a lot of things in the field that aren't that cold tolerant, but um, we were able to cover everything, and there are a few plants that look pretty annoyed with how cold it got, but I think they're going to pull through, so we, yeah. we got pretty lucky here, but yeah, yes. definitely don't be discouraged. I mean, for Virginia has such a long growing season. There's plenty of time. Yeah, it, we really do. It's just so funny. I have a friend in Arkansas that's 7B, and like, we're 7B, but we're so different, like, so different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the proximity to the river definitely, we're like a little microclimate. Yeah, are do you, are you guys close to the water? Uh, I, well, kind of. I, I don't know, like a straight line how far we'd be, but there's definitely, I've noticed because, you know, I, I currently still have a job in the city of Richmond, so I'll drive in there to work and I'll notice the differences in temperature between here and there. And usually our nighttime temperatures and even daytime temperatures in the spring 
are a couple degrees cooler than in the city for longer, but then our warm temperatures at the end of the season last a little longer. And I think it's just from the, the water in the river, uh, right. just holding the heat or holding the cool and just kind of emanating that. So that definitely has a little effect. And those, those few degrees, you know, when it gets cold can make the difference between a lot of frost or not a lot of frost or another, you know, week of warmer temperatures at night to grow something in the fall versus cold sooner than later. Right. So it does make a difference. Um, it's something that we're still, we're still learning every year. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, it's always learning <laughs> with yeah. gardening yeah. and farming. Wow. You so see, you work in Richmond too. That's uh, that must be a long day for you to, to work and then also come home and take care of the farm. Uh, I mean, it is Justine's here and uh, she definitely does a lot of work, uh, if not the bulk of it. Um, but I'd have to say, I mean, I think we're one of the few industries in, in horticulture, or even agriculture where, you know, I do this, I do growing and plant stuff all day long as my like quote unquote normal job. And then I want to come home and do it more when I get home for hours. And then on yeah. the, days off, the days off are really just catch up days at home. So. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's great. I would love it. I'd love seven acres. We're on like a quarter of an acre or something like that. No, three quarters of an acre. I don't even know. It's tiny, but uh, seven acres, that's a lot of land. Yeah, it's pretty, it's, it doesn't feel like a lot when you stand and look at it, but then if you go to walk to the edges or, or even just to like weed a row of flowers. Yeah, I was just going to say weeding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That, that would, uh, so, um, what is like when you bought it, I, I know that, you know, you are currently doing your dream, but what's like your, like, what's a five-year plan for you guys or a 10-year plan? Where do you see the farm in, uh in a little bit in the future. Oh my gosh. So this is something we think about all the time and it kind of always sort of changes, but um, we definitely just want to see it lush and filled with flowers and, and plants that are really cool. And it, it, we want it to become like our oasis, but also an oasis we can share with the community. So we can have photographers come and do senior portraits in the flowers or you know, host very, very, very small weddings um, or like intimate ceremonies. Yes. Um, and just and hey, this is this is the time. This is the time to put that package together. Just FYI, like okay, we're <laughs> not going to be we're not going to be having weddings with more than 100, 150 people for a while. That's true. Yeah. So this true. is the time. I've just been thinking about that myself. Is like getting my elopement and kind of a micro wedding or whatever you want to call it packages together because it's going to be a while before people are really comfortable with doing a big wedding again. Hey, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more behind the scenes in Tidewater. So one of the questions that we ask uh, a lot of folks when they're on our show, and I'm curious to hear your answer based on the industry that you're in, um, has technology changed your business or industry at all? And if so, how? Yeah, from from my perspective as kind of a nursery, you know, nurseryman, a grower, landscaper, all that kind of stuff, um, especially on the, the woody plant world, trees and shrubs, uh, you know, our technology, though, obviously computers and cell phones have made a big difference. Uh, another technological advance that people probably don't think of as technology is the, the way plant breeding has progressed. Um, you know, there's a lot of plant diseases out there, always, always just kind of much like people, you know, viruses, bacteria change, but 
um, and stuff comes in on shipments from even out of the country that they don't know is on them. So then you get new insects and new diseases that can just wipe out plant populations. Um, you know, one, one of the couple big ones, especially for this area, you know, uh, there's a shade annual, really beautiful flowering thing called impatience that many years ago, this thing called impatience downy mildew came and just was killing impatient plants, like right in the middle of summer when they would look their best. And they've bred that uh, new plants to be very resistant to that disease. And actually same with boxwoods, you know, the classic Virginia thing around old homes is the big boxwood hedges and all that stuff. Well, there's a boxwood blight that came somewhat recently um, and has just been killing boxwoods, but there's a, a grower, a nursery in Virginia out in a, I forget what town it's out in the mountains, but uh, called Saunders brothers. And they are basically one of, the best, if not the best, like boxwood growers in the world. And they bred a new variety that's extremely resistant to the blight. So people can safely plant boxwoods again and have a plant that probably won't get the disease. So wow. that's a, from a technology standpoint, a little more maybe science-based breeding programs like that uh, to combat diseases and insect issues and, and allow people to still have these plants in their landscapes and around their homes. Yeah, that is so interesting. I love that kind of stuff. I've, I just kind of learned a lot about hybrids and, and kind of all that stuff with tomatoes because I'm planting a lot of tomatoes this year. And I can't wait to see if I get some sort of like crazy mix tomato uh, that grows because of the pot. Like I didn't know any of that stuff that, you know, the pollinators will take them from plant to plant. I mean, I knew that, but it just it never occurred to me that like if you plant a habanero next to a sweet potato, you're going to get a spicy sweet potato. I had yeah. no idea. <laughs> so it's just very interesting that people can play with the mechanics or, you know, really the, the DNA of plants and stuff to create all sorts of different kinds of varieties. Can, of I, things. can I also ask on top of that? Because again, I know nothing about any of this and this might be an ignorant question, but I, I always hear, there's no ignorant questions in gardening. <laughs> I want we all know that. No, before they <laughs> a dumb question, that uh, that I, I realize that it's probably a dumb question. <laughs> um, but my question is: so, you know, I, I, when you hear all these different things, especially about the stuff that we eat, uh, and and maybe this doesn't play a role in, in a, what you guys do as much, but. Um, you know, when, when they say, okay, well, you should, you should eat organic things, things that have not had pesticides sprayed on it or whatever, that all makes sense to me that, that, that I'm okay. Got it. That makes sense. But where they lose me is they always act like, you know, especially the food we eat that eating genetically modified things are a bad thing where, you know, in my brain, if if they was genetically modified to let's say a tomato as you said if if we took these two tomatoes and bred them and did that a hundred different times to make sure i I could get the best tasting most nutri you know nutrient rich tomato that i could uh, grow why is that a bad thing well without getting like too political because it can definitely slant that way that that essentially is a genetically modified and you know, cultivars are genetically modified plants. Like, so we can get a bigger tomato, you can get a longer lasting flower, you can get an, a unique flower color. Um, and, and I don't think that is a bad thing. I think that's how we create variety. That's how we create disease resistance. 
I think where it gets a little hairy is when it's sort of used so that um, you can like, when I think of like roundup ready corn, um, it's something so that they can just spray that like broadcast this chemical and then there's drift and other things. And I think the concern is chemical use, not necessarily what is inside the plant wise. Mm how they're taking yeah, care it, of in it's the a super tricky topic because yeah like you said, I mean, yeah i don't know much about gmo i just know i don't buy gmo seeds uh because yeah that's what everybody it, told me to it's do. a tough thing i mean <laughs> you know it, josh made the point like you can breed these tomatoes or, or genetically modify them or for any let's say any vegetable so you know for there's a good side that can be had for gmos like countries where maybe they can't grow a certain vegetable, but they can grow tons of rice. Well, you can modify the rice so that it has all these essential nutrients in it and vitamins that those people normally don't have access to. Mm. And they can get that in a food they can easily grow for cheap. And so, you know, you lessen issues that come along with the deficiencies of, you know, the food systems in, in countries with less opportunity. But right now, I, I personally, I feel that there's still, it's still too monetized. And so until there's more people out there I don't want to vilify anybody, but breeding for good reasons to, to again, make food access better for people who really need it. And that's where GMOs can really shine. Uh, but right now, like the point Justine made a lot, a lot of times it's, it's for making chemicals easier to use because those companies bred the seed. So you could buy their chemicals to spray on their plants. So it's, you know, it's creating a chain of it's good business. It's just not great environmental friendliness either. Yeah, what an interesting conversation, too. That's very, because uh, I can, exactly what you said, I can see both sides of it. Um, don't but, don't yeah, you wish I don't that know. business it's owners speak their mind? Like, I, I feel like that there's, <laughs> that, <that's laughs> in your own business, because if you offend someone, then it could uh, affect your business. Uh, and you feel like you, you oh, know. Oh, yeah. You you yeah, your First Amendment anymore. rights are gone when you start a business. So. <laughs> I don't know about you, but since the pandemic, since the pandemic, like now you can't even just right. like have an opinion. Like you can't yeah. say anything. <laughs> You're just supposed to sit inside your home and be quiet. <laughs> the big joke that I always say oh, is goodness. everybody gets on there and says this is what i think and then everyone else says well we don't care so <laughs> <laughs> well we can tell yeah. you you can talk to your plants yeah and say whatever opinion you want and they won't give you any guff back so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> amen to that i believe in that i believe in talking to them <laughs> yeah. aaron if I you've got it. something offensive you want to say about somebody we'll keep it a secret you know we'll yeah. you just go ahead <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. That's so, uh, funny. so I have a question for the two of you. It's kind of a personal question, but um, how is it running a farm together? And uh, I don't remember if you said, do you guys have children? Um, we don't have children. Uh, so it's just the two of us. And I think. Um... Well, <laughs> wonderful, actually. <laughs> uh, we've got a kind of a wild dog so that keeps us entertained for sure and but um no I think I think it helps that we're both like really passionate about what we do but we also have like divided tasks so there's definitely things that Aaron is really good at that 
I am not good at or that Aaron can do a heck of a lot faster than I can do, like digging holes in this clay soil. He can do it in like 30 seconds and it would take me half the day to dig a hole. Um, So I think dividing tasks and just having like open communication, but also it's, it's honestly just something that we're both so passionate about and we're working together to sort of like um, on on like the same like mission level, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. I love it. I think that's, uh, I think that's great that you guys are doing that together. And, you know, with seven acres, there's so much space where you both can have your own kind of dreams and and then talk about it. And then it comes together and then you get to see like this meld of both of your vision. Yeah, it was, that was actually one of, honestly, the first things we did when we bought the property, you know, had the house on it and we're like, the house is great. Uh, But (laughs) The seven acres is where it's at. And so we walked the property a few times after we had gotten it. And we said, all right, like this corner is going to be where most of the cut flowers go. And this corner is going to be like where I I have a large passion for conifers and evergreen trees. So we're going to do my conifer garden in this side. And then this area will be vegetables and fruits and shrub, fruit trees and fruit shrubs. And then the backyard will be like fancy standalone, you know, flowering trees and we'll have a meadow garden so we did literally kind of parcel off the property into different areas that some are one or are or, you know my passion or justine's passion and then others are kind of mixed together so you know property that <laughs> it sounds like lewis gintner like oh, i don't yeah. know if you guys have ever been there but that's what it sounds like i love that place and it's like each different place is like a different kind of garden with its own little world and yeah i love that i place. mean that's basically it yeah <laughs> That's great, guys. That's such what a what a joy to be able to like walk through that every day and just open your, you know, eyes to what a beautiful landscape. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. But you also get to look at seven acres of work too. So sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you gotta you gotta really yeah. break that oh, yeah. out of it and just be like, look at what we've done so far versus where it was at when we started. So that's like really that's interesting. So me as a client, let's just say uh, because I do love Lewis Gettner and I love their. Um, I don't remember the name of it. I think it's called the, the Japanese garden or the Asian garden. It's the one with all the mm-hmm. Japanese maples in that pond. So it, me as a client, if I came to you guys and I was like, I want that kind of a garden somewhere on my property, you could help me figure that out and also help me order the, the plants. Cause some of that stuff is can't oh, yeah. get at Lowe's or yeah, I mean, one of the things, <laughs> I mean, at this point in terms of our landscape, it'll probably always be this way. We, we basically, our job, or what we try to do for these jobs is we help you pick out the plants, make sure it's the plant you want, like it's going to fit your vision. And then we do our best to locate those plants or if not, you know, an exact one, something that's going to be a very similar and acceptable substitute. And then we install those plants. I can't say we're at anywhere near close to the skill level of like installing the whole pond and waterfall system, like way better for the people oh, yeah. than us. <laughs> Yeah, that's not your specialty, ponds. There's people that specialize in ponds out there too. But um, yeah, I think what you guys are doing is is a is a real great service. I don't know how busy you guys are, but I think if you're not as busy as you want to be, your time is coming. More people are really kind of looking to their landscape now for some sort of activity in their lives because they can't leave their houses. So I think more people are, are probably at least I know I have been staring at my property. Like I need to really go and get some, some landscape plants or, or to have somebody talk to me about 
just specifically for my my in my front uh in front of my house I want some very low maintenance things that eventually get big and I just haven't figured out other than a Japanese privet because I love the way they smell I don't really know what else I want (laughs) so I would I think it's great that you guys um are doing this and kind of doing it in your own property too you know yeah you know that's like um we've definitely seen an an upkick in business like a hundredfold um since this sort of outbreak in this year and it it also was also the super warm early spring that people were like okay it's time to plant and um yeah all of us and the garden centers were like uh we don't have any plants because it's yeah Uh, yeah we actually (laughs) we're full for this spring and we're almost full for fall planting um so Now's oh, the great. time to contact for us yeah. for, for the fall, for sure. <laughs> um, filling up really fast. It's cool. Yeah, there's a lot. That's awesome. And then I guess, like, just take me through the process as a client. Like, what, if I'm interested in contacting you, you know, what, what's, like, the next um, step So that? you'll send us an email. We'll sort of coordinate a time, um, and we'll come to you, and, and you know, we're, following all of the social distancing guidelines and everything like that from the CDC. But um, we'll come to you. You sort of walk us through your garden and, and just like talk at us as if you're almost giving a tour or what you're envisioning. Um, and we sort of take down ideas and we'll ask you some more pointed questions like, um, when do you get sun or do you like red flowers? Or, you know, we're kind of getting a feel. We want not everybody is very forward with, with what they want. Um, and a lot of people kind of dance around. So we kind of ask these questions to get as close as we can. And then what we do is we take pictures of the areas that need to be reworked or that you want some new stuff in or whatever. And I, uh, take those pictures and sort of lower the opacity and then draw over top of them. So you can kind of still see your outline of existing beds or houses or structures or anything that you have. Um, but then I'm going to draw the plants in. So you kind of get this visual representation of, of what it's going to look like. In, in terms of, yeah. That is awesome. You, you do a, a drawing. I, I, one of my favorite shows is, um, what is it called? Hometown. And she does the watercolor painting of each of the houses that they do. That's so nice, though, that the customer will have something to look at that's like art. Yeah. You know, that's really that's great. I love that little, I like that little added bonus to working with you guys. Um, Carry on. But sorry. then <laughs> that's sort of like a, I guess a map really. <laughs> but then Aaron is really good about um, making active like hyperlinks in an email for each and every plant. So you can look it up, you can look at additional pictures and they're always from sources like Missouri Botanical Garden is one that is our favorite. Um, that's an incredible resource if you, anybody doesn't know about that. But um, it's coming from growers. It's coming from college or like educational institutions. So you're really getting what it is and information about the plant. So you can tell us, hey, I really love this or I didn't know it did this. Or can you suggest something that, that doesn't do this because I don't like it, which is also totally fine with us. Um, so you kind of get this comprehensive package of an email with links and then photos of the design. And then from there, we sort of start ordering or, or go the back and forth and, and pick an install date. Wow. I love that. I love y'all's process. It's very creative as far as, you know, I, I have my brother-in-law's a landscaper and um, 
you know, doesn't, he's just, there's not really like a creative side. You just tell him what you want and then he'll put it in for you. It's not like he's creating. I just really like your process. It's very, you know, gets to know the customer, their story. Yeah, And and again, too, like with us trying to use plants that are, that you don't find at, at, you know, big box stores that aren't too common, you can tell that plant to somebody, but they probably don't know what it looks like. And so you got to send along that, those links in the email so they get an idea like oh like that's that's what the flower looks like or that that's like you know sometimes it's hard to describe a flower color besides like light purple you know it's better to see the picture so right yeah right (laughs) what is blush to you because it could be something totally different often debate flower colors by i'll just and then she'll give me some very artsy (laughs) term for what actual shade or cone or i don't know yeah indigo super hard with flower (laughs) colors uh, because I guess the horticultural see I'm not from a horticulture background I came from art so for me I describe colors very differently so when and on the horticultural side when it says it's blue and it shows up as my version of purple it's it's very confusing that the blue flowers and the purple flowers are or even magenta that's another hard hard (laughs) color to like um Oh, especially yeah. for weddings and events. Like I, I always ask for, if it's something specific, like give me a piece of ribbon, give me a piece of fabric, give me something physical to hold that I can actually match to. Um, Cause words sometimes just can't do justice. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, no. And sometimes like light blue last year, <laughs> that was like the big color uh, for like the bridesmaids dresses was like that light blue, but it comes in like 97 totally. different shades of light blue. So you could get something that's totally crashing right. and not even mean to, you know. Um, so yeah, that is very that's very important. Yeah, color is amazing, but it is different to each person. My dad was colorblind, so he could we and would refuse <laughs> to believe it for a long time. And I'm like, no, dad, that's that's not red at all. That's brown. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's so uh, that's awesome that you guys kind of go back and forth on the colors. And you, I kind of missed this in the beginning when we were just kind of logging on, but you said you were from Vermont. Okay, yeah. Right? So, um, I ended up doing an internship up there when yeah. I was still in college and we ended up living there for five years and, and doing some really hardcore farming and it was so much fun and we learned so much. Oh, what yeah. a different oh, growing yeah. cycle up there, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to think, like, yeah, if they're shorter and so the shorter. variety of plants are totally different. Like, there's less variety, but there's <laughs> more unique things there, like the, like, alpine plants. But it's definitely something we're still trying to get used mm. to. Yeah, it, they're like a, where we, when we were in, like, southern Vermont, too, so it was like a 5A, 4B zone. I mean, yeah, it, <laughs> very oh, different. Wow. Um you know, for, for me, for conifer collecting, it was actually wonderful because there's more variety. Uh, but, you know, down, coming down here, right. you know, having grown up actually just, you know, both like in southeastern PA, like that was a little closer to this zone. That was more like a 5B, 6A. And so there was closer to the diversity of plants. But moving down to Virginia, you know, it's one of those things where I basically learned most of the plants in Vermont that would grow there regularly. And then I come down here and I forgot that there's like, seven different eight different species of oak i have to try to relearn and then other plants that just were annuals in vermont and now they're like perennials down here and your palate just gets 
massive. And so that is both daunting and still is daunting, but is also really exciting because there's so many cool things you can grow here. Love that. Well, we're getting ready to wrap up here shortly. Let's go behind the scenes with your business. And what is something you can share with our listeners that maybe the average customer doesn't know? So, um, I mean, I think it, it's not necessarily mainstream, but we are trying to create a habitat where we get more bugs than less bugs. So we don't spray for bugs. We want, we want the bugs. Um, so we grow kind of organically. We're not certified and we probably will never be certified, but, um, we definitely follow their practices or even like further from their practices to organic, but basically we want as much diversity as possible. And the reason we don't spray is because we don't have to, because we've got birds and beneficial insects that have come back in various portions that sort of keep the bad guys in check and it it sort of take care of itself and it lessens the work that we have to do, um, which is great. So I, I mean, most. Yeah. You're creating like an ecosystem on your own property. That's so. Yeah. We've actually, the most exciting thing is we have anywhere from seven to 15 meadowlarks that have come back, which are a critically threatened species. Um, and they just live in our meadow and it's so exciting, um, to see them going around and getting all the bugs and, um, so yeah, we're just, yeah, no idea what that is. It's a beautiful bird. It has a really distinct (laughs) call. Uh, but yeah, it's been, it's, it's just been interesting to to take the property, which again, you know, basically six to seven acres that was conventionally farmed and we let it go and we just kind of saw what started coming up, which was a lot of kind of these early plants, um, a broom sedge, which grows all over the place around here. It's a, it's a grass, a native grass, kind of, it's the goldeny. well, I'm going to call it golden. Justine maybe has a better the color sh- name. Champagne. There we go. <laughs> champagne colored grass. Uh, that in the winter, it's that champagne color and it's, it's up everywhere, but here it, it, it came up right away. Uh, since there was no, you know, no roundup getting sprayed, we had tons of goldenrod come up. Um, goldenrod that gets impressively tall, gets like eight foot tall. Um, <laughs> which was wonderful to see and Justine even used some of them for cut flowers. So we even utilized a lot of the native plants that came up as some cut flowers. Cause Hey, why not? And they're beautiful, uh, but they're helping. Yeah. Yeah. I've used Joe pie weed before. Yeah. That's that grows great. wild in my that. woods kind of across the yard. So it's been neat. I mean, yeah. we, we, when we first started planting here that first year, I mean, there was barely, I mean, if you can believe it, there was like barely any earthworms in the soil. Yeah, uh, out, out in the fields and within a year they were back and now they're they're plentiful throughout so you know just helping rebuild wow. the, the organic matter that's been lost to the conventional farming over the years and and hopefully get a lot of the good soil bacteria and microbes back and and fungi in the soil that's good to help plants grow so i mean i could i, I could go deep on the <laughs> you know the way plants grow but you know it's <laughs> This is why you read the textbook <laughs> at night. With uh, knowledge about mycorrhizal fungi and, and things like that. It's, you know, it's, it's getting there and the plant diversity is increasing and so are the, the birds, the insects, the wildlife. And it's, it's really exciting to see it all coming together. Really cool. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's definitely, really definitely lessens the work sure. that we have to do. And it's, it's something too, and that we try to incorporate into, to clients' landscapes is, you know, we try to include 
some native plants because there is there is a strong native plant movement not sure how aware you know you guys are of it but to to replant more natives into your landscape because they support more wildlife you know more insects feed on it which again people don't want but they have to realize like i think there's been some kind of precipitous decline of bird population in general like 30 percent or more has been lost over i think 20 years or 30 years so we're losing a lot of that population which is beneficial to us the birds which their decline is due to insect decline also but we replant a lot of these native plants that you know maybe caterpillars are eating your bush but there's going to be birds that come and take those caterpillars and feed it to the babies so the babies can survive and grow so you know by planting a few natives right. in each landscape design we're helping to also rehabilitate the, the local ecosystem and the larger ecosystem in the area as well so we try to incorporate that aspect into our designs as well yeah there's like an inherent balance that it's there and and I think it's just been schooled out of people to to make it pristine and perfect and and really that balance is so important and eventually you don't have to do anything yeah it's crazy like I didn't know it was so bad with the bird population but like I have a friend that's very into bees and she I mean she's very passionate about don't kill the bees you know the bees are dying off and we need them like everything uh so it makes me feel good though because there's a lot more people that are gardening this year than than garden last year just in my own life like my own friends that didn't garden last year that are this year so we might see a change um shorter in a shorter time yeah, and, and i mean the the one other you know thing is just it's going to take time for the insect like you might get a a ton of insects, like ton of aphids, let's say on your plants in that first year. And like, don't maybe just do some mechanical removing yourself, just squish them. But like the ladybugs will come and you'll get a swarm of ladybugs and they'll knock down that aphid population. Yeah. Eventually things will balance out. And I, and I mean, in terms of the we'll insect decline too, again, like, yeah. I mean, Justine and I aren't that old, but even thinking back to like when I was a kid, like driving down the highway, you know, with your parents, you get all the bug smatters on the windshield, and the smears and stuff, and you got to scrape it off the gas stations. Well, you think about now, you rarely get tons of like bug guts on your window anymore. And that that's because there's so much less insect life out there. So that's like a really easy indicator, especially wow. for no offense to the older listeners, but <laughs> I'm sure when they were I'm sure they remembered windshields being just absolutely covered and now you rarely see it. So it's, that's another indicator too, of just an easy, very visual indicator that, Hey, you might have a ton of mosquitoes biting you, but that doesn't mean the insect population's okay. Huh. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. I do remember like as, yeah. as a kid, as far as lightning bugs, there were a million, million lightning bugs. And now I, I mean, I've said that for a couple of years. I'm like, I wonder what's happening to the lightning bug population, but this could very, very yep. well be. Yeah, I definitely noticed that no too, idea. because in Vermont, it's huh. so rural, but they're also, they're, they're really like into organic growing and not spraying anything. And then we came down here and there's no lightning bugs. And they finally came back last summer in a little bit. And we were so excited. We just stood out in the field like, oh my God, there's lightning bugs. <laughs> yeah. This is amazing. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, that is amazing. Well, cool. 
That's really, I'm really glad we, uh, we talked to you guys. Uh, definitely give our listeners um, where they can reach you again, uh, your email address. and Yeah, so the email address again, it's uh, hello tupelo at gmail.com. And tupelo is spelled with a T as in Terry. U, P is in person, E-L-O at gmail.com. Hello tupelo. And then the handle is at tupelo farming garden. Yeah, for both Instagram and Facebook. Yes. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you for listening to Behind the Scenes and Tidewater. Want to share something with us or be a guest on the show? Send us an email at tidewaterpodcast at gmail.com. Like, share, and subscribe our podcast to help us grow. And listen for more deals, discounts, and wisdom from the best businesses in the Tidewater area.